Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I'm glad that you're still here with me, even though the pace has slowed down. I'm going to try to keep myth episodes on Fridays so that the epics and comedy or tragedy episodes can alternate on Mondays. I'm hoping that keeps things from getting too confusing. Uh, Once I've run out of plays, then I'll revisit the schedule. I will not have run out of myth um, or Roman epics uh, by the time we've run out of run out of the the, um, Roman comedies and tragedies. Anyway, um, so whatever the schedule is, happy Friday if you are listening to this the day that this episode drops. Um, Today is another myth episode, obviously, if it's a Friday. Um, A few weeks ago, we started Pseudo Apollodorus's Bibliotheca, and we are continuing with that text today. I'm working from the Fraser translation, which is available online in a variety of places. Um, pretty easy to read. Today we have book one, chapter two. Uh, Zeus is now all grown up and he gets some help from Metis, one of Ocean's daughters. Uh, she gives Cronus an emetic that causes him to throw up the stone that he thought was Zeus and then the other five children that he had swallowed. Together, Zeus and his siblings wage a war against the Titans. It lasts, can you guess, 10 years, of course. Uh, Gaia uh, tells Zeus that he'll win if he gets the help from those who are imprisoned in Tartarus. So Zeus kills Campe, who guards the prisoners in Tartarus, and releases the um, Cyclopes and Hecatonchires. And the Cyclopes have been busy. Well, they've been down there in Tartarus, though, uh, and they've been making things. So they give Zeus his thunderbolt. Pluto, or Hades, his helmet of invisibility, and Poseidon, his trident. And with these weapons, the Titans are overthrown and cast into Tartarus themselves. The Hecatonchires, or the hundred-handed ones, in case you've forgotten, become the new jailers. And as for the new gods, well, they draw lots. Zeus wins the sky, Poseidon the sea, and Pluto the underworld, or Hades. You can see why um, Pluto and Hades... Pluto starts being used to uh, keep from getting too confused over the person, well, the god versus the place. Um, So Pluto obviously is always the god and Hades sometimes is the god and sometimes is the place. Then we uh, get some more genealogy. Ocean and Tethys have the Oceanids, Asia, Styx, Electra, Doris, Eurynome, Amphitrite, and Metis, which is how we can see that this it feels a little out of order since we've already seen the role that Metis plays in the War of the Titans, um, but now we're getting her genealogy. Um, Chaos and Phoebe have Asteria and Latona, Hyperion and Thea have Dawn, Sun, and Moon, and Creus and Eurybia, um, one of the daughters of Pontus, have Astraeus, Pallas, and Perses. Uh, but we're not done. Iapetus and Asia have Prometheus, Epimetheus, um, and Menetius, whom Zeus casts down into Tartarus, and Atlas, who holds up the sky. Uh, and Kronos and Philira had Chiron, the centaur, again, proof that this all should have probably been told before we were thro- told about the overthrow of the Titans. Dawn and Astraeus give birth to the winds and the stars. Perseus and Asteria have Hecate, and Pallas and Styx have victory, dominion, uh, emulation, and violence. 
And then in an abrupt change of pace, uh, we move on to oath-taking and Styx, because you see Styx fought on Zeus's side against the Titans, so Zeus decrees that all oaths should be sworn on the river Styx. But back to the genealogy. Pontus and Earth have Phorcus, Thaumus, Nereus, Eurybia, and Keto. Thaumus and Electra have Iris and the Harpies, Aiello and um, Akipiti. Phorcus and Keto also have, uh, sorry, no, Phorcus and Keto, different, <laughs> different pairing, have the Phorcides and the Gorgons. And oh, just wait until we get to Perseus, because we will talk about the Gorgons then. And that's not me talking. That's Pseudo-Apollodorus. Really and truly, that's in there. Uh, Nereus and Doris have the Nereids. Chimothoe, uh, Spio, Glaucanomy, Nausithoe, Halie, Erado, Sao, Amphitrite, Eunice, Thetis, Eulimini, Agave, Adore, uh, Eudore, Dodo, uh, Ferusa, Galatea, Actaea, Ponda, Meduso, Hippothoe, Lysianasa, Chemo, Yonon, uh, Halimidi, Plexari, Eucronte, Protocalypso, Panopi, Cranto, Neomeris, Hipponoi, Yanira, Polynomi, Atanoi, Melide, Dione, Nasia, Dero, Evagore, Samathi, Eumolpe, Ioni, Dinomini, Quito, and Limnoria. I think I'm only messed up a few of those names. <laughs> I did not pronounce them all correctly, I am sure. And I know this is an abrupt place to stop, but that is where the chapter ends. Um, I do, however, have have one, well, maybe two things that I want to discuss. Uh, so we will take a short break before I tackle that topic. I want to talk about Metis. Uh, she's an Oceanid. She's Zeus's first, well, I don't know if wife is the right word. Um, partner, definitely. Depends on which myth you're reading. Sometimes she's referred to as his first wife. Um, sometimes consort, maybe, but not not specifically wife because that implies matrimony. Um, and, and Hera, as goddess of matrimony, kind of has a lock on wifedom, if you will. Um, but so sometimes you'll see her referred to as his wife, sometimes you won't. Anyway, um, in this version of the War of the Titans, she is the one helping Zeus to free his siblings, which is not what we see in Hesiod's telling of the story. Um, I mean, sure, we know Hesiod is a total misogynist, so there's that to take into account. Um, but here in the Bibliotheca, we get a glimpse of Metis, the goddess of good counsel. Um, which makes it fitting that she's the mother of a certain goddess of wisdom who will arise later. Um, but that's not part of this section of the myth, so I, I won't go into too much detail there. But, um, but what, but it is interesting that that in this telling, it's not um, Gaia um, that is helping Zeus. It's not Grandmother Earth. It is. It is youngish oceanid metis ageless um immortal who is who is the one who is helping um and also again the goddess of good counsel so she 
is saying like, hey, I, I know I know how we can do this. Um, we don't get all of that. We can we, we have to fill in the blanks. The, as I'm sure you're noting, the biblioteca glosses over things. Um, so we will get a lot a lot of snippets of a lot of myths over over the course of studying this work. Um, the other thing that stands out to me in this section of the myth is Compi. Uh, she is the guardian of Tartarus until Zeus kills her. She is replaced by the hundred-handed ones, the Hecatonchires. And it, it takes three men to do the job of one woman. Uh, that's beside the point, sort of. The point is that the death of Compi, in the death of Compi, we see another sign of the rise of patriarchy along with the rise of the Olympians. Um in, in all of these stories of the Olympians coming to power and taking over shrines and so on and so forth, we regularly see um, stories of characters that are identified as female being killed by characters identified as male. And this is another one. Um, I mean, and so given the cyclical nature of the early parts of mythology, Kronos overthrows Uranus, Zeus overthrows Kronos, um, you have to ask about the overthrow of Zeus. But that doesn't happen because, well, because we haven't overthrown the patriarchy yet. Um, but if, if cycles um, in that cyclical nature of time tends to be very um, gynocentric, very female-oriented because, you know, women have cycles within their bodies that occur on on a regular basis that can be seen and that can be tracked on a calendar that can coincide with the phases of the moon, right? It's very um, a feminine energy, very, very female as opposed to patriarchal male. And, and Zeus breaks that cycle. He breaks that cycle of the child overthrowing the parent, um, you cannot see me. I am drawing circles with my hand as I am trying to 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 explain this, but but the rise of the Olympians is when society is transforming from a matriarchal, um, female focused society into the patriarchy that we all still live in today. Which is why there is no myth in which Zeus is overthrown. Um, maybe someday if we still worshiped these gods. And I don't know, maybe somewhere in the world people do. Sometimes I talk to them, but that's me. Anyway, so what do you think? Why is Metis more important in the Bibliotheca than she is in Hesiod's Theogony? I mean, what what do you think is the reason? What do you think about Compi? Uh, pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. You can find me on Patreon as triumvirclio, and that URL is in the show notes too. In the next episode, we will cover Plautus's Poenilus. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.